Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show with myself, Ron Carruthers of Ron Carruthers and Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. We talk about all things related to money, making more, keeping more. Today, we're putting Dominic on the hot seat because uh, I'm in Hawaii and still drinking coffee and trying to wake up since it's five o'clock in the morning here. And I'm in the lobby, so uh, I don't try not to wake any of the other guests up here. But um, anyway, we're going to talk about leadership today uh, because Dominic gets people to literally throw money at him to talk about this. We get it for free. And... um, so that's it. By the way, where can they find back uh, back episodes, Dominic, of the show? Well, I think the best way to go would to go to makemorekeepmoreshow.com. And you can find all the first two seasons and our semi-kickoff of the, uh, <laughs> oh, what we call we it, a aborted. soft open of the third season. <laughs> so. Yeah, we were, we were aborted on the launch pad. The, the liftoff was aborted. Yeah, so. exactly, because Ron had needy clients, so that just happens. So. Yeah, we had to take care of someone. I forgot to slip into Do Not Disturb. By the way, I'm trying, Dominic, you have to let me know. We'll get to business in a second, guys. You have to let me know how these uh, headsets are working out. I switched settings on them, so hopefully it'll block out more of the background noise. Yeah, no, it actually sounds pretty so. crisp right now, so I'll listen to it on the All recording right. and let you know, but it sounds good right now. If you guys have All a problem right. ever with microphones and stuff, let us know if we... Uh, sound weird or something drop something in the chat we'll uh we will adjust as we can i'm at my mom's house so you'll probably hear halfway through the show a cuckoo clock and if we run over you'll hear it again and uh yeah because my mom likes clocks but we won't get old school yeah i don't think we have a clock in our house except the one in the microwave yeah (laughs) and my my watch and my phone yeah so but uh my mom collects clocks like i collect watches so that's probably oh there it goes (laughs) All right. Well, it's time to start officially. It is. So, Dominic, here's the, here's how this came about. Dominic and I went to see Roger Waters the other night, the um, founder, one of the remaining founders of Pink Floyd. They got in a big fight with the other members of Pink Floyd. So Roger Waters has been off on his own for 30 plus years. But um, Dominic leans over and is like, hey, I picked up this nice contract teaching leadership to an organization that I won't name, but it's a it's a big deal. I mean, genuinely, like, I'm like, dang, really? So then I looked over and I'm like, wait, what are you teaching them? And he goes, well, you know, I'm talking on leadership. And, you know, the, the biggest leadership of all is self-leadership. So I'm like, well, all right. And I look back over and I'm like, why don't we ever talk about this on the show? And Dominic's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, because we don't pay you. Is that the way it is? It's like, <laughs> no, man, it's cool. We'll talk about it. So. So, Dominic, when you do these leadership things, and again, I'll, I'll just real quickly say, what does this have to do with making more, keeping more? At the end of the day, a lot of people have ideas of things they're going to do differently to improve their life, often relating to their money, but a lot of times relating to their health. And I have to imagine whatever Dominic's going to talk about once I shut up and let him talk is going to relate in some way, shape, or form to getting control of your own life. So, um, Dominic, fire away, man. We got parents, we got husbands, we got wives on here. We got people looking to move out. 
fire away. Yeah. What, so what do you actually teach these guys? What do I teach? Yeah, that's true. So, so actually just give you some concept. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't talked to them whether or not I can chat about who it is. That's the local or the company that, that I'm working with, but it is, it's pretty big. I'm pretty excited about it just for what it means for me personally and, and some other things as well. It's a, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, but I'm going to be doing a leadership Academy, um, and, uh, for, for, an, uh, uh, public safety organization. And that's, that's really exciting. But on top of that, like this Wednesday, I'm speaking at a Johnson and Johnson event. Speak louder. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'll actually bump the microphone. So I can't quite tell this microphone has a tendency to be really hot. So thanks for the, uh, thanks for the feedback. Um, but yeah, so the, the, uh, this weekend or this week coming up on Wednesday, I'm doing what Ron's doing, getting up at 5am to speak to a group for, for Johnson and Johnson, um, doing leadership training for them. Uh, and then in a couple of weeks, I'm speaking for a, a group of 150 lawyers for a big biotech company, which is pretty amazing if you think about how many lawyers you have uh, to, to for your company. If you have 150 lawyers, you are a you got a lot going on. So speaking to those, uh, <laughs> or you're. Well, never mind. I won't say it. I don't want to get you fired. <laughs> exactly. So, so I do actually talk on the topic of leadership and yeah, I think you bring up a great point. Like I think, well, I hadn't really thought about it and it's funny cause I talk about leadership in the form of sales all the time, because if you think about being a leader of a, of an organization, let's say you have a, a team full of people uh, that you manage in a sense, you're really trying to sell them. I mean, shoot, if we're parents, a lot of times our job is sales like to give it into our kid to do this or that, you know, and, and yeah, you can pull out the, well, cause I told you so line, which a lot of managers and, and I won't say leaders usually don't do that, but managers will do that. Like, well, I'm, I'm the boss. So of course you have to do that. But if you want to get people to really follow on and, and do something with you and, and, and change their behavior because of you, you've got to be in a, some sort of leadership type of position. And as you kind of take that down a, a line, I think, sales is really leadership because there's a great thing. I'll, I put this concept out before and said like, Hey, what do you need? What's the one thing you need in order to be a leader? I usually actually, I'll start a lot of presentations with that and ask the audience, like, what do you guys think? What is the one thing that you need? It should be fun to do it with you guys. See what you put in the chat. Like what's the one thing you need in order to become a leader? Well, the answer to it is actually fairly simple. You need followers. Right. Because if you're if you don't have if you're a leader without any followers, then you're not really a leader. <laughs> like you, there's nobody coming along behind you. Like, you know, it's like if I, what is it? Isn't it Shrek? I think is the movie where he was like, yeah, you and what army? And the guy looks behind him and there's there's nobody that behind him. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, lovely CJP on the on the on the delay here. She she got it correct. Right. So. The, the whole point is like, you've got to have some people that follow you. Well, think about sales for a second. If you want to make more money in your business, you've got to, you've got to close some business, right? And you've got to, if you want to have a tax problem that Ron can solve, which is kind of a good thing, right? Like to have a, to, to make enough money that you have a tax concern, um, you have to get people who agree to what you say and want to listen to your advice or buy your product or think what you do is a good idea. And even more than that, then I'll not only like it, but actually pay for it. And so it requires that sort of leadership. Now, the other aspect of it is what you talked about is self-leadership. Like I'm going to be able to lead myself through all of this stuff. Like think about it. I don't know how many of you 
um, maybe if, if you can, it'd be fun to hear. It's like if you in the chat, it, like if you have employees, just let us know. Like, are you are you solo or do you have employees? Because that would kind of change a little bit of the way I might take some of this content. But if you if you have employees, they tend to um, they tend to have problems, right? Like they got stuff that comes up, they, they're going through a divorce, they go through these things and, and you tend to go into the supportive mode. Like, Hey, how can I help you? Like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like there's a job to be done, but let me be human about this and, and support you where I can. But when it comes to our own self and you're like, Oh man, I had a bad month. And, but darn man, I had that stuff I had to deal with, with my mom. And I had this uh, issue with my house and I had the, yeah, but you're such a lazy jerk. That's like the self-talk going on in your head. Like you would never say that to an employee. You might think it occasionally, but you wouldn't say it to an employee, <laughs> but you're going to say it to yourself all the time, like that negative self-talk. So kind of going around to this idea, like I break down leadership into a couple of different categories, like if that relate directly to like money, for instance, is like you have your thought leaders. We use that term a lot. We hear that term a lot. I think it's sometimes applied to people who aren't really necessarily thought leaders just because you have a big social or media. Or don't even, or don't even think. Right. Actually. Just because you don't have, just because you have a big social media following doesn't necessarily mean you're a thought leader. Like that's, you know, we've kind of started to, to create that, but let's think about thought leaders for a second. Like I would consider Dan Kennedy, who you've talked about extensively on this show to be a thought leader. Like he changed the way people thought about businesses. If you want to go back a little bit more in history and if you, anybody who was like a Mad Men fan of the show, the, that was loosely based on the life of like David Ogilvy. David Ogilvy was absolutely a thought leader. Like the Ogilvy on advertising and confessions of an advertising man. I mean, if you want to read how to be a marketer, he changed some of that game. Eugene Schwartz too, as well. You got like a Patrick Lencioni. You know, I think Steve Jobs was a thought leader. Like he changed the way we thought. If you walk, go back to like some of his old presentations, not just about tech, but like marketing. Steve Jobs was amazing. Then you get your like your social leaders, which Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't think Gary, I love Gary Vaynerchuk, but I don't think he's a thought leader. I think he's just a guy who's got a social following. Like he really, he does good things with a social following, but like he doesn't, he's not saying anything that's earth shattering or changing the way we think about things generally. I mean, he has moments where he does that. Elon Musk. He's got a great social media following. Is he really changing things? He is from a tech standpoint, car standpoint, but I wouldn't call him a thought leader. It's call him like a social leader. Like people follow, they buy into him. You, I'd, I'd qualify you as that category. You being Ron, right? Like, so, you know, you've got a great, you're, you've got like that social leadership type of thing. It's a good thing. Like people tune into this show to hear what you're going to say. Right. And then you have like corporate leaders. Like you get the guys who actually run a company um, we may not agree with what they do, but they're successful from a company standpoint, like a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos, right? They run good companies or did run, you know, obviously Bill's kind of out of it, but like um, you, they, they ran solid companies. They figured, you know, you may agree, don't agree, but they were like corporate leaders. I don't think of Bill Gates or, or Jeff Bezos as like a thought leader. I don't think of them as a social leader. I'm sure they have followings on social, but they were corporate leaders. They were like good bosses. Like they knew how to run a company. So, but I think, again, coming back to it, if you don't fall into one of those categories, you're probably then in a leader, like you're a leader as a parent, you're a leader as a, as a, as a spouse, um, uh, you know, you're, you, there's something where you're taking on some sort of leadership and that has to do with get people to follow you. And if you don't get people to follow you, you can't, there's just absolutely no way to, to like, you, there's no leadership. Like you're, you're a, you're a leader of one which is you, which is powerful in of itself, but like only when 
you have people that that buy into your thing. So I do think that leadership from a sales perspective is overlooked. If we read leadership books, I think as a tip for you guys, like most of us, if we run a small business, we solopreneur, entrepreneur type, we probably don't read a lot of leadership books because we don't think about the fact that we have, oh, well, I don't have any employees. Why would I read a leadership book? But if you read a leadership book with the thought of like, how would I influence behavior and get people to follow me in a sales perspective, you might pick up a ton of tips that would be really helpful around like human thought and how people actually follow stuff. All right. I was taking a sip of coffee. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. That's kind of a little bit of a a warm up to where this applies and where this might fit into your life. But uh, carry on, carry on. Okay, carry. Wow, this is the yeah, guy. Guys, guys, like make note of today's date. The date that Ron concedes the microphone. Shut the hell up. I will add one thing. I don't even think you noticed, and frankly, I'm a little butt hurt. But uh, I'm wearing a golf shirt in your honor because I went golfing the other day, and I showed up. And apparently, they don't let you golf unless you have a shirt with a collar on it. Yes. So, uh, which I didn't know. Nobody explained this rule to me. So that I had to buy a shirt. Thing. We got a very cool Aussie hat out of it that uh, I look like Crocodile Dundee. I'll save that for next week's show. But Oh, you sent right, me yeah, that picture, didn't you? So you really actually played golf? Like, that shocks me, sort of. I don't know that it actually rose to the level of what one de- would define playing golf as. I don't think it actually fit the definition. I went out on a course. I had clubs. I attempted to hit a ball. I don't think it fell into the category of golfing. However, I liked it. It was only my fourth time ever in my life. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish up my next uh, fly aviation license. And I'm going to go down and take a couple lessons. So we'll see where it goes from there. But anyway, day, back the to your leadership, get, man. The day I get Ron Carruthers onto a golf course with me, 30 years of friendship and never have done that. So that would be a, that'd be a new thing. You might, cry, you might, you might cry. Oh, in laughter, but you know, look, no, no he, crap. Most Just straight up, this is a beautiful moment, man. I want to hug you. That is true. That is true. That's awesome. All right, man. Quit screwing around. Get back to the leadership, Dominic. So here's here's the leadership Slack. thing. I'll, I'll leave you guys with today is that or just just kind of give something because there's there's a lot to bite off. I wanted to set the well, stage of why I think. Yeah, don't leave. Don't leave. We got 45 more minutes, man. <laughs> exactly. Wait, so, usually it's Ron talking for 55 minutes, and I get five minutes of it, and, and so this is a whole different ball game right now (laughs) you're like give the people what they don't want um so the uh so i was thinking about this i've been thinking a lot about this because you and i had chatted about that at the game around this whole or the uh not the game (laughs) that's another thing we go to tickets to but uh um we the uh at the concert the roger waters concert i was thinking about that like this whole idea over the last you know year that i've really been developing is that most even on leadership books it's always geared around how do you treat your team and how do you get your people? Very rarely does anybody talk about like, how would you, how do you lead yourself? And the same principle applies. And I think one of the big pieces for me is that, that I, that I brought up earlier was, is what's your self-talk look like? I brought it up briefly in our, our, uh, soft open last week. Um, you know, is that, uh, y- you know, can I, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, how do I get, sorry, I got distracted by our, our financial question there that we might have to punt for another episode, but uh, I don't even know what those things are. So yeah, I'll, a couple. I'll I, I know what they are. Okay. Joey, I can answer those. Okay. Or reach out, in the, Joey, reach out in the DMs since we're on, since we're doing this on Instagram, just reach out and I can answer those for you. 
Sweet. Um, but this idea of like, what's your self-talk lock? Like, so I don't know if I, I told, speaking of golf, I can't, did I tell the story about my, my watch last week? Cause I don't want to repeat the whole story. Okay. So I told this story on, on uh, like LinkedIn or something, which is really funny. So I'm out with golfing with one of my buddies and I was wearing my Apple watch at the time. And, uh, I hit a, uh, terrible shot, like just, just, just a horrendous shot. And of course I was like, you are such an idiot. Like I just, I have said it out loud. Like I was like, you're such an idiot. Why do you play this game? You are so stupid. What a moron. And all of a sudden we hear this voice that says, that's not nice. Like this woman's <laughs> voice. And we're like, both of us are like, where the heck? And we're on a golf course. We we're actually at the Trump resort here in LA, but like we were way away from like where humans would be. Like we were pretty far out into the course and we're like, what was that? And I looked down and I realized it's, it, you know, how Siri prints out all the text that you've said. And it's, it's, it's showing that. And she said, that's not nice. So we had a good laugh about it, but it was funny because I started thinking about it later. And actually right after that, I heard this like interview with some golfer and he was talking about how like he has to keep positive and tell himself like, no, this is a beautiful day. You're getting paid to play golf. This is not a bad life. Like that's what he thinks about every time he takes a shot, like gratitude almost. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so funny here my Siri was telling me that that's not nice. Like, and it wasn't, I wasn't being nice to myself. And now that sounds so dumb, like when I say it, cause I was raised in a hardcore sales world and you were too, like, nobody cares what your feelings are, just go sell something. But the reality is, is when you run a business, if you treat yourself like that day in and day out, you start to believe it at some point. Like you are, there's, if somebody tells you you're an idiot over and over and over and over, for years on end, we typically call that abuse, right? Like if somebody was to tell you that. The other part of it is you start to believe it at some point. If you're doing it for your self-talk, it's the same freaking thing. Like it's that, like you, you can't tell employees over and over they're an idiot in this world. They will sue you. Like then they will quit and they will sue you and probably win. But you'll tell yourself you're an idiot like over and over or whatever your negative self-talk is. So one big leadership thing I would say is just watch your self-talk. Like what do you, what's the conversation going on in your head? And, you know, we all have voices in our head, I'm sure, I think, I hope, because otherwise I'm really weird. Um, but we all have those voices in our head that's talking to us while we're doing stuff. And is it positive or is it negative? And to think about like, is it just purely like critical or does it actually have some some positivity to it. So that's one big thing. The other thing is, is, is directly related to sales and this, but, but from a leadership principle, you guys have always heard this topic of organizational change. Like there's whole companies that specialize in change management and <clears throat> organizational change. There's USC, <clears throat> excuse me, USC has a degree in organizational development. I'm sure other colleges do too, but I get hit for their ads all the time for an organizational development degree. Organize this whole idea of like, how do you get organized? Like the organization wants to change. How do we get all of our employees to follow behind it? So bear with me on this one. It takes a second. But when I think of change, the problem that we usually have, and this is, I promise you directly related to sales. The problem that we typically have when we try to get people to change is if they don't see the value in the change, they don't they don't change. Right. So that that's pretty basic. We all kind of know that there's a great quote by a guy um, named Dr. Henry cloud, who said change rarely occurs until the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. So great quote. it is. And you think about it, like 
think about how much we see that in our life. Like, and I've used this analogy before, maybe on the show too, but is this analogy of like, how many times have we known somebody who, let's say it was overweight, poor health, whatever, and then they get a, have a heart attack and then they start working out and they, cause they survived the heart attack, barely. They start working out, they start doing stuff correctly, eating well, whatever, lose a ton of weight and their whole life changes. Well, they probably knew the whole time they were overweight and needed to change their diet, but the heart attack scared them. So the pain of staying the same exceeded the pain of change. Like, cause working out and dieting sucks, but like the alternative no of having a heart attack and dying sucked worse. Right. So you, so that exceeded the pain of change. And so then you go and do it. And I think what we suffer from as leaders and then also in sales directly related to that is we don't do a good enough job of helping people understand what the other side looks like. So the, the statistics around this is that the somewhere around 60% of all buying decisions end in no decision, meaning they just stayed with whatever they're doing. So if they come to you, Ron, technically of the no's that you get, which I'm sure is a very small percentage, but of the people who decide not to work with you, chances are they didn't actually, statistically speaking, didn't go with a different accountant, for instance, or a tax advisor. They stayed with their current tax advisor. That's what most people do. Uh, if it's, if you, I know we have some people on here who sell insurance. Chances are they didn't, statistically speaking, 60% of the time when they don't go with you, they didn't go with your competitor. They literally just went, they just stayed with what they had because it was a hassle. Think about how many times you've thought about leaving your bank because you hate them, right? And you just stay because <laughs> it's too much of a hassle, right? So the pain, of, the pain of staying the same hasn't exceeded the pain of change. Now, at some point when the bank screws you over like royally, messes up something on your mortgage or whatever, and it's big, then you'll go like, screw this, I'm moving the whole relationship because the pain of staying the same exceeded the pain of change. Because changing bank sucks, right? Like it's ter terrible. Like I call everybody that you, it's just a nightmare, right? So when we talk about organizational change or getting employees to follow along or getting buyers to follow along with you, if you don't talk about the change that's happening and more importantly, the transformation that's happening, they're not going to get excited about it. And what happens in most cases for people like in a leadership perspective and in a sales perspective is we talk about improvement. And I'll give you a great example of that. I don't have my, oh, I was going to say, I don't have my phone here. Where is it? It's, I'm freaking looking at it, idiot. <laughs> There's that self-talk. Uh, that was dumb. Uh, but anyway, so if you all, you all have your phone around you, I'm sure right now, and you're either, you know, pro iPhone or you're pro not iPhone, but I can tell you one thing, you're not, you probably don't have a physical key keypad. You're not on a Nokia, what was it, 6500 or whatever those old school blue Nokias were. You're probably not on a Razer flip phone right now. And I think that the iPhone is a classic, I'll just use iPhone, don't, Samsung, people don't come at me because Samsung wouldn't exist if iPhone hadn't done this, but the, but the, the reality is it's a smartphone, right? why we got so excited when the first iPhone came out. Cause what are we, what's it at 14 now? Is that the new one that just 14. came out? So we're 14, 14 just came out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 14 generations later on the iPhone now. What excited people and why they waited in line for days, if you remember to buy the first iPhone is it was so different from the phones that we use. Now, some of you Blackberry people were like, all right, I'm our, you know, I was already getting email and all that stuff. I got you. But, but like, it was so vastly different from the Nokia or the flip phone that we were on 
the iPhone was just like, oh my God, it can do all of that. It has these little apps. Like you, I can play games on it. Like it has a full size screen. It doesn't keypad. Like it was transformational. Like it was so different. Fast forward 14 generations later, what's the big hit on Apple right now? Basically the 14 is in an upgrade. Like it's exactly the it's same as exactly the 13. Same like phone. they changed one feature. Right. Even yeah. Steve Jobs, even Steve Jobs' daughter was right. kind of making fun of that. Like, that's exactly right and because now is the iphone 14 and i'm a big apple fan you guys probably know that i'm on an iphone right now i got my macbook here my ipad sitting over there like my whole house is everything apple right but i didn't get and you let and you let your watch talk to you without telling her to shut her pie hole and it was none of her business (laughs) what you say (laughs) i just started not wearing my apple watch the course (laughs) i didn't fix the self-talk let's be honest i just stopped wearing the apple watch so she wouldn't say anything no, but you know, actually that, that is true. <laughs> but, um, but the point being is like the crack on the iPhone is like, is it an improvement over the 13? I'm sure it is like, I'm sure there's improvement, but it's not transformational. And that a lot of where I think Apple has, has, and again, I'm a huge fan, but like they haven't done anything transformational in, in a decade now. Cause the guy who specialized in transformation, unfortunately has passed away. Like Steve Jobs was that dude, right? And I think the iPhone is such a classic example of where we go wrong in leadership and in sales is we're selling the next model. Like, oh no, it's a little bit better. The screen's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit faster. And everybody's like, eh. Versus think about if you can position it like, yeah, you know that phone that has a tiny little LCD or what was it? What were those things? Liquid, yeah, liquid crystal display and a and a keypad and you have to type in the, you know, for those of us who are old enough, remember like you had to hit the same button multiple times to get to a text, you know, like, you know, oh my God, and you're yeah. like, ah, crap, I missed it. And you have to sit six more times to get back to that same letter. You know, if somebody came to us and said like, no, it's got a full digital keypad on it. It's got all these apps. You could do everything right. And when you're phone, you can check the internet, you can check your email, you can do all this stuff. And you're like, dang, that's awesome. When we as, as leaders try to position like, hey, our company is going to roll out this new thing. We're going we're gonna to institute Salesforce or HubSpot or we're going to change our benefits plan. And it's, it's, you're going to get a little bit of improvement. And everybody goes, well, this sucks. It's because it's improved. Nobody cares. Like it's not that exciting. But if you show them how a year from now it's going to completely transform their lives, then people get excited. Like, you know, and there's a, I have this whole thing I did for, for my group a few months ago and they really liked it. I'm actually incorporating it into some leadership presentations now, but like the difference between, I'll pull it up real quick. Actually just thought of this, but I'll pull it up real quick here and, and show you guys, but it's, or not show you, I can't show you through Instagram, but if you guys want to see this, I mean, I'll happily send it to anybody, no strings attached. I'll shoot you an image of it if you're interested, but like improvement, improvement is fixing the past transformation is creating a new future. Like, That's good. Right? Like that alone, if you incorporated that into your sales presentation, you are going to make more money because people don't get really that excited about fixing today. Like they sometimes need to or fixing something that went wrong yesterday. Now that might be the reason they take your phone call as a salesperson Right. They, they're like, ah, so, so just screwed up or my, ins- I'm so pissed off at my insurance company or blah, 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 whatever, whatever the reason might be. That might be the reason they take the phone call. But remember, 60% of those people will end up staying with their current provider because they can call that current provider who goes, 
oh, we're, we're so sorry, we'll send you a refund and we'll make an adjustment to your current problem and we'll fix it. Oh, okay. Well, that was easy. Versus, hey, this is what the future looks like if you come with me. Like you won't have this type of thing. Like I think about, you know, and I've had some good accountants and tax advisors over the year and I'll plug your tax advising. We switched over to you this year. I know 30 years of friendship and I just went switched over to you this year. But like, I do feel like I have, not just because it's a friend, actually, I don't even call you. I think Yvonne, my wife calls Stephanie and asks questions and stuff, right? But we feel like it's a new future because now I feel like I got somebody sitting with me on every financial decision I make. That's changing the future. That's not just getting me a better return or helping me pay a little less taxes, which is what a lot of advice, like tax professionals would say. Like, oh, I do it a little bit cheaper and I'm really good at finding the money that you didn't know you had and, I'm, and, um, and I'll make sure you, you pay the least amount of taxes. Okay, well, that's fixing the past. Versus I'm going to sit in your corner. You're not going to make a financial decision without me here. You can call me anytime. My assistant will get you on my calendar and we're going to strategize on anything from your car purchases to your house purchases to any type of investments that you want to make. That's a vastly different message. That's a new future versus improving the past. So I like that. Right. Like, so that's to me, that to me is, is, is such a big deal. The other part of it, and again, I've rambled on for a long, so I'll let you, now that you've had some coffee, throw some stuff on the <laughs> list, but uh, improvement versus transformation. Improvement tends to be uh, tactics. Like, what are we doing today? So if you're a market, I came from the marketing agency world. I've coached a lot of marketing agencies like, oh, well, I'm going to change. We're going to switch your stuff over from Facebook to Google advertising or, or you know, I'm going to I'm going to change around your ad buying. OK, well, that's tactical. But when you create some form of transformation, you usually focus on strategy. I'm going to create your next 10 year plan, which is what we did like a few weeks ago, right? You, you came up to the house, you, you and your, your business partner came up to the house and we did a strategy session. And all of a sudden was interesting because I remember the moment, I'll plug myself on this one, <laughs> is, is I remember the moment, and I love this, it usually happens at some point during the session, is somebody, in this case it was you, you weren't even thinking about the business we were sitting there talking about. You were thinking about your other business and you went, oh my God, this is exactly why that business didn't work. Yep. Or not your, yeah, your business work, but like one little aspect of your it, business. It was a project. Working. It was a project yeah. we were trying that, yeah, really interesting where we weren't, we actually tried it right here on Instagram and um, it just wasn't clicking with anyone. And as Dominic and I were going through it, it clicked in my head. This is why it wasn't working when we were talking about something totally different. Right. And that's to me, that becomes like, that's transformational. And it happens a lot. Like yep. I, I, most entrepreneurs that I work with that are pretty successful have more than one business. And it almost invariably happens. I'm, I'm waiting on another one. Um, Tom, if you're listening, you still owe me a date. Uh, but I'm waiting on to schedule this this other one. Um, that it's we're like that, to... huh? Ivana, Ivana's listening to this show, Dominic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> trolling. Trolling that's, for other dates. Um, but... Hey, let me interrupt. Dom, let me interrupt real quickly. Yeah. For those of you joining us, this is the Make More, Keep More show. Um, I'm Ron Carruthers. Dominic of Real Biz Advisors on Instagram is um, the tends to skew a little more towards the make more, skew a little more of the keep more, although we both interrupt each other frequently. You can grab our back shows at makemorekeepmoreshow.com. But what we're talking about today is Dominic's getting money thrown at him. He doesn't even have to take his shirt off or dance or anything for Thank this. God. 
And so we thought, you know, like, let him bring for teaching leadership to a very prominent public agency, what, you know, share some of those lessons with us. Like, what are you actually talking to them about? So if you're wondering why we're not talking about necessarily making more or necessarily keeping more, and this is a little different because this is a lot of this is Dominic's sphere of genius and we're actually letting him talk for once. It'll never happen again until maybe season five or six. We're on season three. But Dominic, back to what you were uh, back to what you were chatting about. So on this leadership thing, is that kind of how you open up these meetings or talk to us? Yeah, actually, so the, that's funny. So opening up the meetings is an interesting thing. If it's a big group, um, oh, there goes the cuckoo clock. Uh, if it's, if we, uh, if we go, um, for those of you who missed at the beginning, I'm at my mom's house. She collects clocks and one of them is a cuckoo clock and it's about seven feet away from where I'm sitting right now. And it decides to say things periodically and, and tell your mom and tell your mom her clock's three minutes slow. She needs to get know, that worked out. Oh my God. Here's the thing. She has a great, okay. All right. So this is, this is way too much information. She's getting mad at me if she hears. So she's got like, I don't know how I can't, I can't fathom to tell you guys how many clocks my mom has, but she has a grandfather clock. I think it's grandfather clock um, because there's a difference between that and a grandmother clock. I don't know what it is, but anyway, I think it's a grandfather clock. She's got this one that's like a big bin here. I mean, she's got clocks in here that chime. None of them are set to the same time. So it's like a five minute window of just solid chiming (laughs) and different things. And they go all night long. Oh Uh, my God. Anyway, but you know, but you know what? You got to take care of your parents. That's what you got to do. So um, it's all good. Happy to do it. Um, Anyway, but it makes for inter- she actually did offer. She goes, "Do you want me to turn off the cuckoo clock?" And I was like, "No, nah, it'll make a funny story for the show. <laughs> so leave it on." There you go. Um, no, but how I open the show. So what I actually do, uh, and if you ever are at one of my events, play nice, play along. Um, so, so if you're ever if you're ever one of these, and, and I do this, you got you got to participate. So what I do is I get the audience. So usually I'm teaching. It's you know. 100, 200, 300 people is kind of an average type of thing for this this thing. So it's, it's, it's really fun when you get into a really big audience. But let's say it's a couple hundred people. What I have them do is all stand up, which that alone is interesting because it's funny how people get really settled in at conferences and stuff. And I'm sure you've experienced this too where you're at right now. Like you find your seat and you get your stuff all situated nicely on your desk. And it's funny, we're just creatures of habit. So I have everybody stand up. And then I say to them like, okay, great. Um, pair up which is also just entertainment for me to watch really smart people figure out how to pair up. And then I say, okay, great. Between you choose an A and a B. So they do that. And then what I have them do is face away from each other. And then I tell the A's, sometimes the B's, I mix it up. I'll tell them to change five things about their personal appearance. And then they do and they laugh and they whatever, and they take off their glasses or if it's a formal event, take off their tie or whatever, and, and they'll, they'll change something about themselves. And then I have them turn back around and I see if the other person can identify all five things that they changed, which is amusing unto itself. Then I have them flip back around and I say, okay, change five more things about yourself. Invariably, at this point, somebody says, not out loud, like, but I'm listening for it, but like they're not saying it to me, but they're saying it to somebody else. Somebody in the audience goes, uh, I'm not wearing that many clothes, which is always funny. But... So I usually address it. And then I say, still change five things about yourself. Turn around, do it, you know, they change, whatever. I have them do it one more time. And I say, okay, change five more things. At this point, a riot breaks out. Like people just absolutely freak out. And so at which point I go like, no, I'm just kidding. Let's just get going. And I jump right into my content. 
what's really fascinating about that that whole thing is it actually exemplifies because there's no context like they have no idea why i just did that to them and they basically hate me as a speaker right out of the gate because i made them <laughs> feel really uncomfortable but here's the thing what i talk about is i'll ask people like well how many of you like change now if they're trying to impress their bosses like half the audience will raise their hand like oh yeah, yeah i love change great how many of you Liar. like change when it's Liar. forced upon you and the hand's like Bleh. No, I hate change. Okay, fair enough, right? So so we start to go through this, and one of the things that I cover is the roadblocks to change. Like, why is it that people suffer so much when they're trying to change? Now, part of it is because we as organization and leaders, we don't make it interesting. Like, we don't tell them how it's transformation, so they don't care. That's why I don't want to change. Change rarely occurs till the pain is staying the same, exceeds the pain of change. If your employees don't see any reason to change, they don't want to change. Like, they don't see the reason. But here's what's interesting is that I share these roadblocks to change. And the first one is this, it creates anxiety. Like when, when you're faced with change, you get anxious. And it's funny because when I made everybody stand up and change, and those, so those people change something about, even the standing up creates anxiety. Like, why is he making us stand up? What do we have to do? Am I going to have to do something embarrassing? I don't even want to do it. In fact, it's funny. So I got a call uh, from this biotech company that I'm speaking to, uh, the beginning of November or into, yeah, beginning of November, I'm doing this conference for the, all those attorneys and their, their people called me ahead of time to kind of talk through this. And she goes, Oh, I don't know if people are going to be comfortable with this. And I was like, yeah, that's the point. Like they're supposed to not be comfortable. And she was <laughs> exactly. like, we might get complaints. And, and I mean, nothing, I mean, I, I appreciate her looking out for her company. Like, and so she actually brought on somebody else to come talk to me and he was like, I love it. Let's do it. This is great. Right. So he was all for it, but she was, she, it was literally creating anxiety in her to talk about making people change. That's how crazy anxiety comes up with change. The next thing is they feel alone. It's really funny to watch people is they just put like blinders on and they don't like, they don't talk when they're changing the five things about their appearance. There are, you, you just watch people go into this little cocoon of like, oh my God, what am I going to change? Like, shoot, is it, what? and they're freaking out at just changing it. The other thing is, is very rarely does anybody put anything on. And the reason for that is normally why we suffer to, to why we don't want to experience change is because we have to, we feel that we have to sacrifice something. Like when somebody says, Ron, I want you to change this. We immediately think about what we're giving up. It's just human nature. We, we immediately go to the, like, the bad. We don't think about like, what would be good. So what pe- how that shows up in that exercise is people take something off. They immediately think they have to sacrifice. They take their glasses off, take their tie off, take a necklace off, earrings off, shoes off, whatever. It's always take something off, never put something on. Like they could grab a napkin from the table for heaven's sakes in most cases. Like, you know, these are conferences. There's usually napkins about. There's something. And they could stick it in their shirt. It would look ridiculous, but it doesn't matter but they don't think to do that. And then they freak out because if too much change happens at once, people just, it's hard, right? So think about this for a second. Like, uh, like marriage is a really good example of this. If for some people, like if, if, and you know, some people obviously lived together before they got married, but let's say you haven't lived together, you get married and you buy a new house together. Like you're literally pairing three of the most stressful events in your life together all in one shot. And sometimes marriages collapse pretty quickly because all of that change happened right out of the gate. So what happens is why people start freaking out when I say like, you know, change for the third time, they're like, Oh my God, it's too much. I can't do it. Now, someone legitimately weren't wearing, especially if you're doing it in front of a group of salespeople, they legitimately aren't wearing enough clothes to keep taking stuff off. But like the whole idea of like, you can't 
change. But here's here's the one that gets them every single time. Like so, at this point, they're like, "Oh, okay, I saw the point of the exercise and that thing." The next point I put up is that they don't have that when people are faced with change, they often feel like they have no resources, like they don't have any help. So, if you're if you think that you your doctor tells you you need to lose some weight most people will just go to the gym and try to start working out. Now they screw up because they don't have any, they don't have a trainer. They don't, they don't hire a trainer. They don't bring anybody on. They don't do whatever. Like they think they have no resources. Same thing for salespeople. Like what happens is what is, what's the reputation for salespeople? They're going to say, you know, we'll love them and leave them basically is the expression, right? Like we get in there, we sell the deal, we collect the check and we disappear. That's the reputation salespeople have. So when somebody says like, okay, well, I'm going to buy your product. I'm going to convert to this thing. You're going to go away. Like insurance is kind of, no, no offense to some of you insurance guys. Like, like, but the, as the guys get bigger, sometimes the, you know, the insurance agency owner will, will sell the deal and then disappear and do none of the servicing. And tax advisors, same situation, right? Like they, somebody, the, the main guy sells the deal and then you talk to his assistant for the rest of the thing. And I know that's not your... That's not wrong. I'm just saying the no others will do that. Taken. <laughs> so the, how that shows up in the audience is I've literally trained that in front of, I don't know, four or 5,000 people I've done that exercise with. I mean, I actually don't know. It might be more than that. I don't know how many people I've done that exercise with, but in the thousands. This point, when I put it up, they feel like they have no resources. I go, how many of you looked at the person across from you and borrowed somebody something from them? And in the time I've taught that, thousands of people, I've had four people who actually looked across and said, hey, can I borrow your glasses? Or can I borrow your hat? Or let me switch ties with you? Or can I borrow your jacket? Literally thousands of people, nobody ever looks across the per because literally the way they're si usually sitting is there's a person standing in front of them who's the B, who's the one who's going to go back, turn around and like isn't changing anything about their appearance. And they're just standing there doing nothing, staring right at the person who's freaking out about how to like, what do I change about my appearance? And they won't even ask that person for help. And this is where, when we think about leadership or we think about sales, making more money, which is obviously one of the themes of this show, making more money. Are you showing people how they're going to have, they're not going to be alone. They don't have to sacrifice anything and you're going to help them all the way through it. If you can show people that like it's a game changer for sales it's also a game changer for getting your employees to do stuff that you need them to do. Like, I'm going to be here with you the whole time. Like I used to tell my employees, like we have to roll out, you know, corporate tells us we're going to roll out this new thing. Hey guys, I don't know anything about this either. So I'm going to do it with you. Let's go after this. Let's, let's, we're going to be in the trenches together and like, you know, get out of your dang office and get in the field with your people. Because if you're not living it with them, then you're not really leading them. Right. So this is that stuff that really helps. This is why, like, I think hopefully this has been helpful. And thank you, lovely CJP, for the nice comment. Um, that is, this is the stuff that, that people, like, this is where leadership has a direct application to sales. Because you have to get people to follow you. If you don't get them to follow you, you don't, you're not a leader. And if they're not following you, they're not buying from you. And so how do you get them to follow? Well, understand what their problem is when you're asking the change. Because sales is nothing more than, in most cases, asking people to change something they're doing today and paying you for it. And, and leadership is very much the same way. Like, I'm asking you to change how you think, how you act, how you, whatever. And I need you to follow me and do it my way, essentially. So how do you sell them on doing that? I don't know, what's your thoughts? 
or did I lose you? Uh, minutes ago. No, 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 no. All I was thinking was, um, for you guys may not know Dominic's background, a lot of you guys are familiar with Digital Marketer, um, which is a pretty good sized company for helping entrepreneurs and business owners get digital marketing done, getting clients that way. Dominic was the guy that they brought in to teach them how to convert what their marketing brought in. So Dominic spoken on, you know, digital marketers, main stage, the side stage. She once spoke on the same stage, Rachel Hollis spoke at, if you guys know who she is. And um, so as I'm sitting here listening to Dominic, I'm like, dang, dude, pretty smart. So um, because there is so much to that. So I'm going to let you keep going, man. Just a reminder, everybody who's jumping on here. This is the Make More, Keep More show. Um, you can find all our back shows at makemorekeepmoreshow.com. We're on season three right now. And we talk about all things related to money, getting your money right. And often that involves getting your mind right. And so, dude, I've got a couple of quotes out of you that I thought were pretty good about improvement and transformation. But anyway, carry on. We got about 15 more minutes before the show's going to wrap. So, uh, I think keep for, going. for the entertainment value of the show, I think it's pretty funny. Like, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys in the audience have the same thing, but it's always so funny. Like when you know somebody and you're like friends with them and then you find out they actually do something that's actually pretty smart. And like, you only know the idiot who goes to games or drinks with them or whatever. Like, it's always that like, <laughs> right. It's always that, wait, you actually have a job. I totally thought you were homeless. Like, I, you know, it's just so funny. Like, no, no, no. I actually get paid to do this stuff. Like, Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> do they know yeah. you like you know and it's funny about that actually to take that to a little bit of a a, a point around that because i think we all have that like we have that one friend who we can't believe makes money um i think i i think at the concert that i was that friend for ron like he was like what dude i've known you for 30 years you actually make money wow that's crazy yeah um, but like it's it's one of those things though where that sometimes gets us you and i've talked about this concept before of like imposter syndrome um there's a statistic i have i want to say i don't have it in front of me but i want to say it's 71 or 77 percent of people studies say 77 71 or 77 percent of people suffer from imposter syndrome at some point and it's interesting because my theory on imposter syndrome is so sort of related to to um leadership and, and, and making money is that you don't get imposter syndrome unless you actually are qualified, which the whole point of imposter syndrome is that you think in terms of like, well, like imposter syndrome is that one of the quotes that is used that like, Oh, if they ever figure out what I'm really like, that this whole thing is going to fall apart. Like you you, you picture that your entire business model, your leadership, your, your, your company, your whatever you're following on social media is a house of cards and it all it's going to take is one person to realize you actually don't know what you're talking about and it'll all fall apart but my theory on it is is you don't have that unless you are actually qualified and the reason why i say that is this if you are not qualified you probably don't care like you wouldn't know that you're not qualified. Like if you're not qualified and you're out there doing something, it's probably because you literally are clueless. And so you probably don't have imposter syndrome. You just kind of just follow in the thing, right? The other part of it is, is <laughs> you, you have to care in order to have imposter syndrome. And I think that that's a really good place to be. Like if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, chances are it's a really good sign that you care 
Because if you didn't care, well, you just wouldn't care. Like you don't care. What, and there are guys out there who literally, we, we know of some of them, and I'm sure all of you have seen them on social media. They don't last long, thank God. But they, they come on social media, they have all these opinions, they do all this stuff, and they could care less that their stuff doesn't work. <laughs> like right like i laugh okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw one out i'm gonna get some hate in the comments depending on who's who's in this audience but i follow this guy because i think it is just absolute pure entertainment uh is that guy liver king have you seen this guy no man I'm, okay i'm too busy watching manolo teaches golf oh okay so, now, and now i gotta go back and actually watch this yeah, yeah so manolo teaches golf is the opposite of it and i can tell you from what i've heard about him is he suffers from imposter syndrome like oh man what if people don't like this gig but manolo's genius like he actually really cares i met him one time at, at a golf course hilarious guy really cool in person super chill dudes everything you think he would be and his golf tips actually really really work and so it makes sense that he would suffer from some imposter syndrome because he actually cares and he's actually doing a good job which is a funny thing about how our brains work of like oh crap but like the liver king guy this dude if you look him up his whole thing is like eat like our ancestors do and it's the nine ancestral tenants and he does like fake hunts in his yard. He, he lives on this massive like ranch in Texas or something like that. He sells supplements, right? That's what he does. He's clearly juicing, okay. clearly juicing. Joe Rogan called him out on it and, and he's like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't juice and whatever. And he was like, I'll take a blood test and, and prove it. And I was like, yeah, Lance Armstrong took about, you know, 50 blood tests and they still never popped him for PEDs. Technically, he admitted to it, right? So, so this dude, and he's fine. I don't care less, man. This guy is just hilarious. Like he's he's huge, and his whole thing is just eat raw liver and raw heart and raw testicles. That's his thing too. And like if you, and he's like live like our ancestors did. And people will go like our ancestors, if you want to call it that, died when they were twenty five. Like you really want to do right? That, right? Like you know, like they. they sort of got eaten by a bear, right? So, or, or just died from medical because they had no medical treatment. Mind you, it's really hilarious right. when he gets on his Gulfstream 650 to fly to Africa to go do a hunt. Like, you know, so it's like this whole thing. A guy like him, I don't think really cares what the audience thinks, right? So he doesn't have imposter syndrome. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not hating on the guy. He, good, good for him. He has millions of followers. He's making, he's obviously flying on a Gulfstream 650, so something's working out for him. You keep it up, he's going to fly his Gulfstream to your house and break you in half, Dominic. I know, like, right? So, I, but I laugh. I follow, Get some broid I follow him too because it's just pure entertainment. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. But a guy like that does not have imposter syndrome. But I know for a fact, guys who we, I've met, I've had the opportunity to meet some of these guys who are, who are big names, who are legit. Um, you know, some of the guys from Digital Marketer, I know suffer from imposter syndrome. But they actually care and they actually have something important to say. So imposter syndrome to me is a good sign. Good. It, you know what? It always reminds me of the saying about how, you know, when you're dead and you don't really know you're dead, the pain of your death, it falls on those around you and they have to clean up the mess afterwards. And they're like, yeah, the same thing happens when you're stupid. So I always like that saying. And it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, imposter syndrome, where the fact that you care makes a difference is why you have it. If you were ignorant enough to not even realize that you don't know what you're talking about, you don't even know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we all know people who mean well and, and are just completely ignorant of how little they know. 
like there, there's those people out there and I don't hate on those people because I think they genuinely, they're not trying to deceive anybody. They just don't know what they don't know. And I think we've all been there. We're probably early in our career where we gave advice to somebody and then now we look back and go, oh my God, I can't believe I told somebody to do that. That was the dumbest oh, yeah. advice ever, right? Because we learn through experience. So that, and those people don't, again, it's ignorance is bliss. They don't have, they don't have imposter syndrome. They have no idea. But the ones who do have an idea and really do care about their audience are that 70% who completely suffer from like every once in a while, like, Jesus, is somebody, I mean, what if, what if they find me out? What if I'm completely wrong? Oh, I hate taking this person's money. And, and you know, I'm, I'm very open about it. Like I have imposter syndrome, like I do all these leadership things and then I'm getting ready to go do this academy. And I'm like, Oh God, what if we suck at this academy? I mean, it's just normal. Like I think, but it, again, I come back to like, it's probably a good sign. And then, and then what do you do when you have that? You work harder to, to build yourself up to, to not. Be so there. there's, a, so there's a question for you. We talked about this whole, um, for those of you just joining us, Dominic's getting, he's teaching a leadership class for a bunch of lawyers at a biotech firm. Johnson and Johnson is paying him, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for a short thing. This public agency is paying him a lot. We started with Dominic talking about the story about cursing himself out on the golf course. And by the way, 100% what you said is accurate because it didn't affect me in the least that I completely sucked at golf, that it was embarrassing because I'm just like, I've, this is my fourth time playing in my life. I'm not even supposed to know there is no imposter. But here's the question I have for you. Dominic kind of yelled at himself and Siri yelled back at him and told him he was not being nice to himself. What do you do? You gave some really good points about transformation and how that is a better way of approaching change. But what do you teach people about getting rid of some of that negative self-talk that we all do carry? How do you work around that? Yeah, I think it's, you have to, it's a conscious effort. And I, and I know there's books written on it. And say, oh, what book would you read? I don't know if I've read anything that I really love about it <clears throat> um there is um oh shoot i can't think of her name right now uh it'll come to me she does a ted talks on power poses um oh yeah the power the superwoman lady right yeah, the yeah, wonder yeah. woman lady like yeah, if you think a little bit about her, Simon Sinek has some good like TED Talks type of stuff around this too, a little bit. But I think what it is is you have to you have to. So I teach something called situational leadership. Like that's a that's, I did not come up with that. That is that's a um, by Ken Blanchard out of San Diego um, that uh, that teaches that. But I I talk about situational leadership. Um, I was trained it years ago. I love it. And one of the things it talks about is that you, there's two things you typically, as you move somebody through, Amy Cuddy, thank you. Oh, that was my wife. Look at that. You're awesome. Yeah, I was going to go. Your wife's answering. I, um, I figured I'd bite you. So, I, yeah, I didn't see you right away. So, thank you, honey. Um, but yeah, so Amy Cuddy, she, I think her, she teaches at Harvard and I think her like PhDs from Princeton or something. So, you know, semi smart. Um, but she's, uh, but anyway, uh, when you look at situational leadership, you're in usually a mode, like if, if anybody, if you've ever seen situational leadership, if you Google it real quick, you'll see like what I'm talking about. There's like a four step quadrant and you just kind of, you just, it's basically saying employees. And I will argue yourself as self-leadership fit into one of these boxes typically. And we kind of rotate through these at any given moment. And there's two different types of things you as a leader are doing for them. It's either directive or supportive, or it, it's actually both. But it's the it's the ratio of directive versus supportive. 
put another way, is it like, are you telling them what to do or are you giving them a hug to tell them they're doing a great job? Like that's kind of another overly simplified way of putting it. The negative self-talk tends to be highly directive in the sense of like, God, if you just would do this faster, you'd be better. Oh, if you could just think like, it's almost like you just tell your, you just pure directive in your behavior to yourself in your own mind. So I challenge the people I work with to say, when was the last time you were supportive of yourself? Like, when did you give yourself space to say like, you know what? I need a day off. Like, I, I just need to get out of here for the day and I'm going to blow off all my appointments. We talked about this on our soft open last week. You and I had so much crap going on in our lives that was, we had to deal with, not all of it bad, just we were both really busy. We had a lot of stuff going on. And so we delayed doing the show by a week. That's what I would qualify of being supportive behavior. Now, what some people will do is like, oh, well, God, you're so stupid. You skipped a week. I mean, what if you lose a bunch of followers? Or what if, if you think like, and people get wrapped up around that. Whereas you and I were like, nah, you know what? We, we just got to take another week. It's, it is what it is. We said we'd take two weeks off. We took three. We had to. We didn't have a choice. And then what's funny is like we got back last week and you had to leave partway through. Yeah. Right? Like, so, okay. Never got off the launch pad. Right? And so, but here we're doing a full show today. Like, it, it, that's that, the negative self-talk allows you to start criticizing you stuff for those decisions to take care of yourself. And it takes conscious effort to say, support yourself. If I can throw one other thing in here, Dominic, I don't know if you've ever tried this and I don't know if anybody else has tried this, but I've had really good success with the EFT. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, do you even know what that is? They call it tapping. Yeah. Uh, have you ever tried that? I haven't. Uh, it's freaking amazing. Um, it is, and I am the most martini drinking, steak eating, non-hippie, hippie, you, you know, like literally uh, that's the last thing I am. Any woo-woo stuff, I'm out. However, the power of your own mind and I read about EFT in one of Jack Canfield's books. And I like Jack. Jack's stuff is great. Um, and if you guys have never read The Success Principles, that's a fantastic book for just organizing, you know, your brain and your life around certain things. And by the way, Dr. Brown, thank you for the kind words. Yeah, thank you. And uh, lovely CJB, CJP, excuse me, recognizing and catching the negative stuff talk is the first step to changing it. Absolutely correct. And it is a constant work in progress and it is important to treat yourself with positivity and respect because again, you would never put up with a lover or a, you know, many of us, I, I'm not one. My parents were awesome, but I know many people have really strained relationships with parents over the parents, constant berating of them. But as we close the show, just real quickly, if you guys have never tried tapping, I tried it in a clinical setting. My wife was like, you got to go see this friend of ours. Again, a friend I had known for 30 years. And um, I probably go see him every four or five months. It's not really a psychologist in the sense of that word. He's more just like a success coach. And he uses a lot of breathing techniques and tapping. And I've noticed it get, it gives me amazing results. Do I do it very often? No, probably once one time in between each of the four times a year that I go to see him or three times a year that I go see him. But if you guys have never looked into it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And, um, 
Nick Ortner has written a bunch of books on it. Jack Canfield wrote a book on it. But it's it's a way of talking to yourself at the same time. Oh, and on YouTube, there's a guy who does a ton of videos. I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, it's a way of talking to yourself while actually stimulating points on your body that basically reset your nervous system. And um, so I thought I'd throw that out there, Dominic, at the end. Yeah, I'm going to let you wrap up and take us home. I think that that's a great – so I haven't tried that. I'll, I'll definitely look into it. I knew – I was familiar with what it was, oh, dude, but it's I haven't amazing. tried it. But I'll, it's I'll freaking amazing. It. And I'm like – and I'm one of those people like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I'll try anything once, you know, and <laughs> well, twice. And if, it, reason. and if it works and hold on and if it works, I'm going to keep sure. it. And if it doesn't, you know, and I determine that something doesn't work for me, I'm out. And um, this, I have to say, worked immediately along with some really interesting breathing techniques. So. Well, anyway. and I think so far, as far as if we leave anybody with some stuff to do is like couple things like so it's interesting like i play golf with with different guys some good friends of mine one of them is like the eternal optimist and it's interesting because he's the eternal optimist who's had some garbage in his actually both two of the guys just really hard things in their life that just they got a raw deal here and there and they're just so optimistic and it's all it's funny because like i'll go hit a shot and one of them will be like dude that was a great shot and i'm sitting there like and I'm getting better about this, but it's this negative self-talk type of thing of like, I'll hit a shot. And they're like, Oh dude, that was awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but I wish I did. And one of them will stop me. He goes, no, 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 no. Say something positive about that shot. <laughs> and you know, what's funny. And I'm not saying you all are golfers or into golf, but this is my thing. Right. But like, sometimes it's incredibly hard to say something t- uh, like, like do this as an exercise for yourself. Make yourself say something positive about something this today like that you do, like when you go to have that lovely CJP said that, um, you know, is, is, is recognizing these things, challenge yourself to say something positive. If it's really tough for you to do that, then find somebody to help you because it's probably an indicator that it is something like find a friend who's that eternal optimist. That person who's always got something to say, who like walks in and is like, dude, I love your outfit today. And you're like, Oh really? Okay. Like, you know, who does that where you're get that person in your life because that person is trying to feed you something that you desperately need. Because if you can shut down that negative self-talk, it's unbelievable what it starts to open up. And like the days where I decide not to tell myself I'm an idiot on the golf course lo and behold, tend to be the days I shoot my best scores, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, it, and that's applicable to anything. It's not just golf. It's applicable to all sorts of things in our life is focus on that self positive self-talk. How are you supporting yourself? We support employees. We support the people around us. We support our family, support your kids, you support your kids. Do you support yourself? Not financially, but do you take care of yourself? Do you, do you go in it's funny. I told the story, I think a few weeks ago, but like, um, last little story about it is quick is, uh, I got an invite from a buddy of mine, sent me a message on Facebook. Actually, I hadn't talked to him in literally 10 years. Good friend. Like we were, I mean, we picked, he's one of those friends where we picked right back up where we left off 10 years ago, just, just kind of lost touch. And he was like, dude, I got a fishing trip this weekend. Do you want to go? So I tell my wife, um, it was 
Um, I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. It's there it funny. is. Yeah, Fine. There it You're done. Um, I heard it that time. And so, but it's, he says, can you go? And I was going to my wife's, uh, to tell my wife, and I was like, oh man, I just heard from Daryl. I can't believe it. I haven't heard of that guy forever. She goes, oh, what do you want? I go, oh, he invited me to play, to go fishing this weekend. And she was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to tell him no. I, I was just busy and stuff. And she was like, no, go. And I was like, no, I, I got this and I got this and I got this. I'm, I'm literally too busy to go. And she goes, and that's why you should go. And my wife is a wise woman. She is. And that's that positive how are you supporting yourself? And when you're getting so busy, are you actually go on a bike ride, go play golf, go somewhere, whatever your thing is, go work out. Like you like to lift weights, you go to that. I mean, whatever your thing is, go find that thing and reward yourself with that because you deserve it. And that's how I'll leave it. I like it. Well, guys, this was a little different than our normal show, but since they're paying Dominic a lot of money, we thought we'd beat him up to get some leadership advice for free. Next week, we'll be... We will be back at it. I will be back in my time zone. Um, it's just starting to get light around here. And I don't know if you can see. I'm at the lobby of the um, Hyatt Regency Kauai. So it's 6 in the morning now. People are just starting to move around. And the sun's just starting to come out. I think you can see it like right there over my shoulder. But um, guys, we'll be back with more money stuff. But you know what? We said it once. We said it again. Got to get your mind right to get your money right. And so um, this was a lot of that. And we'll periodically make Dominic jump back in and chat about what's going on and what he's teaching these guys. And we'll want to hear the follow-up about how it went. Um, next week, we'll be back chatting about markets, taxes, money, all the craziness that's going on in the world. And we didn't even get to the fact that we just hit $31 trillion in debt as a country. So um, we'll get on that later, and um, we will see you guys next week. It happens every Friday, except when we're on hiatus, 8 a.m. Pacific, generally till about 9 or until uh, Dominic's mom's cuckoo clock goes off <laughs> and tells us the show's over. All right, so Dominic, I'll see you, I'll see you next week, man. And everybody, awesome. thank you for joining us. If you want, can't get enough, can't wait, go to makemorekeepmoreshow.com. Dominic does a great job of splicing those together. All our back shows are there. Even last week's 30-minute failure to launch <laughs> season three kickoff. We'll see you guys. Awesome. Thank you.